heard that song before. I'm your host, Joe Hunter, and today in the studio we have a very special guest, Mr. Bill Rudman, who is a syndicated radio host of the Footlight Parade and the executive director of the Musical Theater Education Program, a scholar of the American <laughs> musical theater as well as the American song, and we're very happy to have him in the studio today. Hey, Joe. I'm looking forward to this. And we're going to be talking about a song that's very special to Bill, and that is Moonlight in Vermont, written by Carl Sussdorf with music and lyrics by John Blackburn. And this is a first for us on I've Heard That Song Before because, in fact, you are related to John Blackburn. He's my uncle, and he's 92 years old, and he's still writing songs. Wow. So what have you been involved with lately, Bill? I'm working on a new show. It's a review of socially conscious songs from musicals that range from Brother Can You Spare a Dime in the 30s to really contemporary songs from Rent and other shows, so it really runs the gamut. And I know you've also been involved in producing recordings for some of the great interpreters of American Song, and I'm thinking specifically Peggy Lee and Maxine Sullivan. Privileges in both cases. I did three albums with Maxine, and I produced the second-to-last album that Peggy Lee ever made, all rare Harold Arlen songs, so great fun. And all those recordings are marvelous. I would encourage all our listeners to seek them out. Again, we're very tickled about having you <laughs> here to talk about your uncle's I'm piece. Too. <laughs> so I figured we would start the show with what you told me was the first commercial recording of the song Moonlight in Vermont. This was recorded by Billy Butterfield's orchestra with vocals by Margaret Whiting. It was recorded on the Capitol label in 1944, and the liner notes to this record it did mention that it was actually Les Brown's orchestra that recorded it, but Les was signed to another label, so they huh. used Billy Butterfield's name. Which is news to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So before we learn more about this great American standard and Bill Rudman's uncle, John Blackman, who wrote the lyrics, why don't we listen to the first commercial recording of this song on Capitol in 1944? And in fact, this is one of about a hundred records made by star vocalists over the years. This is one of the most frequently recorded songs of the 20th century. Moonlight in Vermont. <laughs> Moonlight in Vermont 
It is, isn't it? This song is such a great example of what was happening in the 30s and 40s, where you have this almost inseparable relationship between jazz and pop songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a jazz tune. There's no question about it. And you and countless other jazz musicians and jazz singers have gravitated toward it. But it's a pop song as well. I mean, it really nails a certain period in the history of our popular music. And that sophistication of the popular song, yeah. Yeah, It's got a wonderful melody and some harmonic twists. Changes, the chord changes are great. And I believe it's an odd length phrase, that first opening phrase. That it is. There are two six-bar sections and then two eight-bar sections. Right. So it's actually a 28-bar song. As opposed to the standard 32-bar 32 32, form yeah. that we see all yeah. the time. So your uncle is John Blackburn, the lyricist. That's right. And he is a character, let me tell you. He was born in 1912 in Massillon, Ohio, and he went to Case Western Reserve University. He studied theater. He wanted to be an actor and a songwriter. He graduated in 1937, and he had a chance to audition for a radio drama in New York as an actor. So he went to New York the very next day. He did not get the job, but he's walking the New York streets, and he runs into one of his college classmates who's there with her mother. And John says to them, I was up for this radio job. I didn't get it. And the mother says, I think I could get you a teaching job at Bennington College in Vermont. Hmm, Good school. So she made a few things happen, and he wound up in Vermont where he taught theater for two years. And obviously the reason I'm telling you this story is that he loved the state of Vermont. He just thought it was gorgeous and romantic and da-da-da. So now fast forward to 1944. He's in Hollywood, California. He's trying to make it there in show business. He's a song plugger. He's an actor. He's at the Pasadena Playhouse, all this stuff. And he has a day job at Lockheed Aircraft. He's writing some songs on the side. And at Lockheed, he meets this guy who's a composer named Carl Sussdorf. Also working at Lockheed. At Lockheed Aircraft in 1944. They decide they want to try writing a song together. And this song that we're talking about today is the first song they write. They sit down, and Carl Sussdorf says to my uncle, you know, it's always occurred to me that songs that are written about states last because the states are not going to go away, right? So maybe that's what we should do. That would be marketable. So John says, okay, well, how about Vermont? Vermont is so beautiful, and there's no real great song about Vermont. And how about Moonlight in Vermont? So they start writing the song. And literally, Joe, it's interesting, because we always want to know which comes first, the music or the words. They literally crafted this song simultaneously. Mm. And the first time they had ever even worked together. And it sounds so natural and so seamless. Well, you'd never guess that that's their first product of their collaboration. It's so sophisticated and a beautiful lyric filled with wonderful imagery of Vermont. Yes, absolutely. The icy finger waves, the ski trails. Right. Pennies in a stream, you know. I mean, it's really one image after another. That's one of the Mm -hmm. things that distinguishes the song. It's just a poetic series of images. Right through the bridge, too. Right through the bridge. You know, we're talking about telephone cables, 
down the highway or something. Right, and travel each bend in the road. And one other thing, as we you know, get ready to listen to another version of this, there are no rhymes in this song. Oh, that's And that is incredibly unusual in 1944. So not only do we have sort of unorthodox phrase lengths. And Structurally, and structure, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. We don't have a single rhyme. That right. is really it's something. just sort of a stream of consciousness unfolding these romantic images. Wow. Well, why don't we listen to another rendition of the song, Moonlight in Vermont, by Carl Sustorf and your uncle, John Blackburn. I thought we would listen to something by Ray Charles. This obviously comes from his ABC Paramount years, early to mid-60s. You can tell by that lush choir. Yes, (laughs) yes. And strings, these great strings, yeah. It always works with Ray. Oh, it works. So why don't we listen to Ray Charles' version of Moonlight in Vermont. And again, we're in the studio today with Bill Rudman, and we're listening to Moonlight in Vermont. Pennies in a stream Falling leaves a sycamore Moonlight in Vermont I see finger waves That voice can make most corny stuff sound deeply soulful. Ski trails on a mountain side, snow light in Vermont, telegraph cables as they sing down the highway and travel each bend in the People who meet in this romantic setting are so hypnotized by the lovely evening summer breeze wobbling on the bit of chromaticism there on the bridge. Yeah. Very interesting. 
interesting. And of course, that was Ray Charles doing Moonlight in Vermont, written by Carl Sustorf and the uncle of our guest, Bill Rudman. Bill, what was your feelings about that rendition? It's a gorgeous rendition, and I think he nails the theme of this song. I think the key word in this song is hypnotized hmm. in the lyric. You know, we heard it to some extent in Margaret Whiting, but we hear it more in Ray Charles' recording. There's a hypnotic quality about the song, and he really lays that out for you. Interesting that the song has sort of a built-in coda, and various singers and instrumentalists treat that differently. You know, the You and I and Moonlight in Vermont. Yeah, that last kind part, of tag, but kind actually of a tag. it's built it's, into it's the built song into structurally. It, yeah. Although some people don't reserve yeah. it. But Ray did his own classic glissando yes. there on the end, yes. you know, the really yeah. classic Ray Charles yeah. there. Really very nice. So I thought we'd go someplace very differently next. We were commenting about the sophistication of the song. Yeah. So I thought we would listen to how, not just any jazz musician, but a jazz yes. musician who really has a very unique orchestral concept, one of the most influential jazz pianists. His arrangements were extremely inspiring to people like Miles Davis mm-hmm. in the 50s. And this is a recording of Jamal's classic trio, the original Ama Jamal trio with Israel Crosby on bass and Vernel Fournier on drums. And of course, this comes from one of the most popular and incredible records he ever made, 1958's Live at the Pershing in Chicago. Mm. I'm really curious to hear your reaction to his interpretation of this great song, Moonlight in Vermont. Well, I love this recording, Joe. As an instrumentalist, he's so sensitive to this hypnotic quality that we've been talking about in terms of this song. He really weaves that into the texture of what he's doing at the piano. And has a lot of fun with uh, time and does some very different approaches to the bridge to the song. For those of you who are familiar with the waltz beat, he'll take the bridge of the song in 3-4. So why don't we listen to our first instrumental version of this great American classic. This is Ahmed Jamal doing Moonlight in Vermont. already having a lot of fun with the form. It sure is. He lets you hear those icy finger waves, you know? without you very well. (laughs) (laughs) Very impressionistic, really. (laughs) 
And that was Moonlight in Vermont, performed by the great Ahmed Jamal and his classic trio with Israel Crosby and Fernel Fournier from 1958, recording live at the Pershing. Well, it's a terrific example, I think, of a jazz instrumentalist who is just so clearly aware of the words that are built into that song, too. I mean, he's finding his own way to express this sort of tone poem imagery. Yeah, I like that impressionistic. Yeah, it really is. It. Yeah. And didn't he have some fun with the form? He used the tag. We were commenting about how Ray Charles used the right. tag. He put the tag after every A section, uh-huh. the you and I and Moonlight in Vermont. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, of course, at the end, classic Ahmed Jamal, he inserted a little interlude yes. and created his own ending. Yeah, he did not utilize yeah. that for an ending. You know, He just sort of reinterpreted it. And I also love the amount of space that that group mm-hmm. allows. Space is a great word, Joe. Yeah, you never feel like he needs to fill up every single second of sound. I mean, there's a lot of times where you'll just hear bass and drums by itself. He waits really very patient in his performance. And that works really well in terms of this particular song and the message in this song, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed the sort of playful quality as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're listening to I've Heard That Song Before. I'm your host, Joe Hunter. And we're in our studio today with Bill Rudman talking about a song written by your uncle, Bill. This is Moonlight in Vermont. And we mentioned earlier, we're going to hear next your uncle's favorite rendition of this song. And I really uh, was quite surprised, as I think (laughs) our listeners will be. But before we do... Would you tell us a little bit of how this song even, you know, made it to Capitol Records in the 40s? Well, yeah. These two songwriters, Carl Sussdorf, the composer, and my uncle, John Blackburn, who wrote the lyrics, they were completely unknown songwriters in 1944. As I said earlier, they worked on this song together, and in Hollywood, they would play it here and there, and I guess there was a little bit of buzz about it, but nobody had picked it up. But a call came in, and Buddy De Silva who had co-founded Capitol Records, with Mercer. You know, with Mercer and Glenn Wallachs, had heard about this song just on the circuit in Hollywood and said he wanted to see if they wanted to do an audition. Well, of course they did. Capitol Records at that time was the most artistic record label for popular music in America. So Carl and John went to the Capitol Studios and they auditioned their song for Buddy De Silva and for the great Johnny Mercer. My uncle said he was just scared to death to, you know, let his lyric be heard by one of the preeminent lyric writers in America at that time. The executives loved it. They said right away, we want to do this with Margaret Whiting, which led to the recording that we opened the show with. Huh, very good story, Bill. I think we should now continue with what you mentioned earlier was your uncle's favorite rendition of this song. (laughs) And I have to admit, I was surprised. Could you tell us something about it? Well, no one was more surprised than he was because he heard in 1978 that Willie Nelson, of all people, was going to include Moonlight in Vermont in a CD comprising standards. My uncle thought that was just really a pretty lousy gimmick. He just couldn't hear in his head how Moonlight in Vermont could sort of cross over and be done by ostensibly a country singer. So he just didn't believe that it was going to be any good at all. And when the LP came out, he was blown away by it. Was this a record that Willie made in the late 70s that was entirely made up of standards, right? Yes. The LP was called Stardust, and it's all standards. Willie Nelson, as you're going to hear, puts his stamp on it. It does have that country feel to it that we would expect, but there are also a few jazz licks in there. There are even a few blues licks in there. I mean, it's just crossing all over the place. Of course, we all know Willie is a singer who is much admired and respected by people like Miles Davis and yeah, Ray Charles. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. 
Well, I'm very curious to hear this, so why don't we give it a spin? This is Moonlight in Vermont, performed by Willie Nelson from the 1978 album Stardust. in a stream Fallen leaves a sycamore Moonlight in Vermont I see finger waves trails on a mountainside Snow light in Vermont Telegraph cables sing down the highway Travel each bend and road People who meet in this romantic setting Are so hypnotized by love really something. And quintessential Willie Nelson, too. I mean, he's doing material that you wouldn't expect him to do and doing a marvelous job at it. Absolutely pulls it off. And heck, my uncle probably made more money from that recording of Moonlight in Vermont than any of the other dozens of recordings. Well, bless Willie Nelson's heart for that. Yeah, you gotta love it. Gotta love that. (laughs) Bill, earlier you mentioned that your uncle is not only still alive, he's 92 years old, he's still writing. 
I have to admit, I'm a little amazed that <laughs> a writing duo that created such a masterpiece yeah. didn't really have another hit, did they? No, these are two one-hit wonders, really. They wrote a couple isolated songs for films and so on, but nothing really caught on. But here's my uncle still going strong at 92, still cranking them out, and he writes music as well as lyrics. He tells me that he has 200 songs in his trunk, <laughs> and he's still working on new ones all the time. Well, that's really great to hear. And he will tell you that every year he collects royalty checks from at least 25 foreign countries. <laughs> wow, great. <laughs> well, it's been really a lot of fun talking about Moonlight in Vermont today with you, Bill. And I love that we've played such different versions of this song, but still all adding up to real respect for classic American material. You're right. And Bill, we're going to hear another classic American song from a lyricist and composer that I happen to know you're very fond of. Excellent. Well, as is our tradition here at I've Heard That Song Before, we like to end with a bonus tune for our guest, and today I've chosen a great classic American song written by Yip Harburg and Burton Lane. Excellent. And we're going to hear something from Finian's Rainbow, a tune entitled Old Devil Moon. And I thought we would listen to a rendition by an artist that we listened to earlier, and that is Ahmed Jamal, his classic trio. And I'm curious to see what your response is to his take on this great old tune, Old Devil Moon. An instrumental, usually performed with a vocal. Yes. So why don't we listen to the Ahmed Jamal trio from 1958, live in Washington, D.C. This is Yip Harburg and Burton Lane's Old Devil Moon. I dream of Jeannie with a light brown hair. <laughs> Thank you. 
Again with the interlude. Old Devil Moon by Yip Harburg and Burton Lane, performed by Ahmed Jamal and his classic trio with Israel Crosby and Fernel Fournier. Very interesting. Bill, I mean, quite... And I think one of the things that's going on is he really is celebrating an American song that is timelessly hip, and he ups the ante and makes it even more hip. He seems to be sort of deconstructing and reinventing it at the same time. Exactly. The bass player, you hear the form, you sense what the shape of the form is, and yet he just does not approach it the way the normal jazz musician would just, say, improvise over the chord changes. Yes. He's not content right. to do that. He seems to be sort of breaking it all down and reinventing it, constantly viewing yeah. the chords from different angles. It's yeah. fascinating. I love the way you put that. It's so fresh. Yeah, really, really wonderful. And again, that was our bonus tune, Old Devil Moon by Yip Harburg and Burton Lane, performed by Ahmed Jamal. Well, Bill, we'd like to thank you once again for joining us. It's really been a joy. I had a blast. You were such a unique guest for us today, bringing some real personal stories about how your uncle, John Blackburn, was involved in the writing and the creating of this wonderful American song. Well, who else am I going to tell these stories to, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again. You're welcome, and I hope you have me back. (laughs) I hope so, too, Bill. You're listening to I've Heard That Song Before. I'm your host, Joe Hunter, and until the next time, bye-bye. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.